Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Outside, so I have my head ear earphones in. Let me know uh, in the comments if that sounds okay. So I'm just trying to cut out some of the background noise and put the camera a little bit further back than usual. Everybody has window units here, so I hear <laughs> trying to keep the window unit noise down. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Um, well, good morning. I am on the road right now. Um, visiting some friends here in California. Uh, when I get me and uh, everybody loves to hear about my parenting schedule. Don't you love it to listen to divorced people talk about their parenting schedule? Um, yeah, so. When, you, when I get five days off, sometimes I get invited to visit folks, and I do. So that's what I'm doing, and you can tell I'm here at Fantasy Island. Um, I'm in the jungle. Welcome to the jungle. Um, oh, thank you, Ken. Yeah, I know. It's almost like I'm retired now. This is my, my Golden Girls set. It is almost kind of like a Christian television set. It's very my mom and dad when they were like, we're live in Hawaii. Aloha. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, Caleb is still on break. Obviously, he's not there. Maybe he's there. Maybe he's in camouflage and we can't see him. So, yeah. What are we going to do today? What are we going to do today? Oh, yeah, that's right. It's talk. It's talk time. This is the gathering. You've all gathered together. Right now we have 12 people online, so we're just like Jesus and the disciples. I'll try to do a little afterglow afterwards, Q&A stuff. Um, because we don't have a computer here, and I've just got the phone, it's a little bit harder for me because I have to scroll like that. Um, but yeah, a lot of good things are going on. My son I, I, on Wednesday turns uh, six years old, so I'm really excited that Milo is... He, he got to try school out. They have kickstart. And the first day he was really miserable and very sad and didn't want to go. And the next day he really enjoyed it and had fun. And so that was really cool. Um, so, yeah. Uh, what am I doing? I uh, watched my, my friend's kid go skateboarding yesterday, um, which was really cool. And what else? Yeah, just trying to... Great thing about my work is I can, you know, actually sometimes getting on a plane is, is best for me because I can read more on an airplane. Like, it's just like, that's all you can do is read. So that's why I love airplanes and, uh, and snacks when, when they have them. So we're going to be in Matthew today, Matthew 7 to be exact. And how I'm thinking about Matthew, uh, the book of Matthew today is a bit like um, 
kind of taking off our lenses of tradition uh, for some of us who've grown up in the church and heard the gospel so many times you know uh, trying to want to challenge everybody to kind of take you know put on a different set of headphones in a way you know put on a different pair of glasses and uh, try to hear it a little bit differently today and I think that's what's important is that we start to re-examine the Gospels and the Bible as well, um, but re-examine them in a way that's not so steeped in tradition, you know, and surrounded with all these ideals and expectations and what we've been told something means, you know, and trying to actually research what it actually means and trying to look at it in a, in a, with a fresh fresh lens, but that's tough, you know, it's really tough and uh, not easy to do, but uh, yeah, let's just jump into it, so I've got um, my Bible, and we are in Matthew 7, and it's interesting because when I was thinking about my talk and thinking about this, um, I was only going to use uh, Matthew seven thirteen, and, and then I had some other ideas in mind of what I was putting together. And, um, and I just started reading all of seven, and I just was like, man, scratch that, you know, scratch, maybe we'll use that, do that, something like that later, but right now, seven is very clear, and I really like that, I really like when I can uh, get a lot out of a chapter, you know, that I'm not just always, I like to verse hop, I mean, it, honestly, it's, I do enjoy that, but, um, but it's really cool when you can find something that's just the, a verse covers or a book covers. And, um, and that's, that's really cool. And today was one of those, you know, today's one of those, you know, where I was able to look in and go like, oh, oh, that's here. Oh, I don't have to go over here. And that's here. And I don't have to go over there. You know, it's all covered here. And that was really interesting. So, um, uh, let's start with this way. I, I did a... I did an Instagram and a tweet, tweet, tweet on the old social media the other day. Um, you know, I always saw these like, we can disagree and still be friends, you know. So I did this one. It was like, we can disagree and not destroy each other on social media. And uh, a lot of positive responses, a lot of likes and stuff, which is, you know, why we do social media to be uh, so we can feel secure about ourselves. And... Uh, influence win friends and influence people um but but i did i one person was like you know unless they're but 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 and another person was like yeah and unless they're this 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 you know um and, and i was thinking it's like you know when you when we start putting asterisks on this idea of of love enemies or not you know or who we can destroy and who we can't destroy um I'm not going to even say there's necessarily anything wrong with that. It's just outside of the religion of Christianity. It's not Christianity. Man, I hope those dogs keep barking. Um, but yeah, so this idea is that we, we... This is why you don't do live crap outside in an apartment complex. Um, but yeah, so Christianity kind of calls us into this thought, into a new way of thinking of where the enemy becomes something completely different. And the enemy becomes uh, someone that we are called to love and show grace towards. And 
it seems like ever since the beginning we've had asterisks towards that you know like when i was growing up it was like you know listening to people like oh we can talk about the democrats or we can talk about you know gay people or we can talk you know what i mean so there's everybody's always listening for an asterisk and I, and i have to say that progressive christians are not much different and so how do we step back you know we're always looking for this who we who, you know who's the real bad guy but here's my issue with that it's like okay here's the idea of things we can do i, I took some notes so i should probably read the notes um so also we don't usually get to decide who our enemies are uh, they usually choose it for us so usually if there's somebody you going like you know like yeah i can not destroy that person but unless they do a b or c well all of a sudden those A, B, and Cs have become what determines who your enemy is and the person you shouldn't be destroying. You see what I'm saying? Like automatically, like when you're like, yeah, like as soon as you put that asterisk in there, but these people, then all of a sudden those people in the, in the Christian tradition become those who you're called to love. So yeah, Christianity is, is, is not... Um, a free-for-all in so many ways. I mean, I guess you can do it. You have grace. You can do whatever you want. But the idea is, the 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 idea is 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 to to cling to those we disagree with, to cling to our enemies. We don't get to decide who our enemies are. Um, and it's what we do with that that. Uh, is that's up to us. What we do with those people, what we do with those people we put asterisks on is what we, we do. Um, so I guess my question for you right now is, is do you have exceptions? You know, do you have people that, you know, are your exceptions of who you can't love and who you can't give grace to? I know for a lot of progressives, it was like conservatives, anybody who voted for Trump or anybody like this, um, you know, uh, I haven't really been deep down in the conservative media, so I don't know who they're angry at right now. I mean, I'm guessing they're probably angry at, at the president, um, but I feel like a lot of us are kind of disillusioned with him. So I don't know. Um, I'm sure the conservatives are mad at somebody. I'm sure you got, I, I just don't pay attention to the news as much as I used to. Um, so here we go. So love or grace is a choice for us. Do we love or do we show grace? Or the next choices or both um, or do we do shaming as a choice or canceling uh, fight or flight kind of idea with people that we have to deal with um, do we turn them over to God um, do we try to reason together with our enemies do we try to come together with our enemies and and reason with them um, and that's why we're, what we're going to talk about today is, is some of these options and what they look like. But one of the things I was thinking was, is, you know, um, this, this idea of, of reasoning together, but this also turning over to God. Now, when I say turning over to God, there was this thing that we used to do in, in my 12-step program. We still do it, actually. And you may have seen these things. I think people have even tried to market them as like, God can. And it's a can with a little slit in the top, and it's just an empty can. And what you do is you take things that you can't deal with, and you write them down there, and then you put them in there. I remember my son was having this compulsive thought, and he was really struggling with it. And it was really arguing, really 
And it was based around shame and, you know, all this, you know, he's a little kid, but he just didn't get it. And I said, all right, buddy, well, let's write down that. Let's, let's write it down. Let's put it on a piece of paper. And he's like, okay, okay. And I'm like, listen, I have a box. Now, here's the thing that you're feeling bad about or that you're worried about. We're going to put it in the box so it's not going to go anywhere. We have it right up here. And I didn't say give it to God or anything like that. I just said, we're just going to take this problem and we're just going to put it in this box and we're going to sit it on a shelf so you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to think about it because it's right there. So you can come to it. We can look at it whenever you want to. And it, I mean, we haven't looked at it since then. Um, when I was getting sober in my early years, I had a God box. You know, I made a shoe box, <laughs> much like, like the Valentines you would do in high school or not high school, in grade school. <laughs> um, and, and just put a slit in it. And I, I would just put these things that I was worried about. And then I would be like, okay, this is me giving it to God. Like I needed this type of thing in my life at the time. I used any tool I had at the time. And, and so I would, I would just write somebody's name down or something I was worried about and put it in there. And so when it hit my mind, I was like, oh, I gave that to God. So that's not mine to worry about. And I know that sounds corny, but I, it's one of those options. You know, I, I think one of the options we have uh, in Christianity for loving our enemies is, is give, when I said giving them to God, is kind of stepping back and praying or sending good vibes, as we like to say now, or whatever, thinking good thoughts, you know, um, whatever prayer is. I don't even know what prayer is, you know. It's communication with God, but I don't know what God is, you know. So that's it, tough, you know. Um, I'm sure there's a dozen cool ways to say it. Um, but, you know, so maybe the box is the best idea for some of us. But sometimes, you know, it's better off not to deal with those people, which we're also going to get in in Matthew 7 in a second. Um, but how, you know, what are ways we can do this and why should we do this? So let's look in Matthew. Let me make sure i got everything. Yeah, Matthew 7, 1 through 6. Do not judge so that you may not be judged. For with the judgment you make, you will be judged in the measure you give. Will be measured is what you get. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not uh, but do not notice the log in your own eye. Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye while there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrites, first take out the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. Um, one of the things I like about this is it's that personal thing of saying, like, we all have our own stuff, you know. And this is almost like... the the plank eye, you know, story is almost like the impossible story in a way. Like, I think we've always seen it like, yeah, I got to take care of my stuff and then I can get them. Then I can judge them. But I think if you take more of a way that Jesus communicated with people and you step back and you don't take the way you've always heard it, been told to hear it, it's almost of saying like, you're always going to have stuff to deal with. You're always going to have stuff in your own life that needs fixing. So rather than focusing on judging other people constantly, focus on fixing and working on yourself. And what I've learned in my lifetime is that when I've worked on myself, when I've gone to therapy, when I've done 12-step program work, when I've done these type of things, is that all of a sudden the people that I want to judge or tear apart, and I do do that sometimes, obviously, we all do, but, um, but a lot of times I try to figure it out. And a lot of times I contact the person and talk to them. Um, or I find a more of a constructive way to deal with the problem um, because I'm healthier. 
because I've learned to live life on life's terms. I've learned to deal with my own issues. And something comes out of that too is empathy. Is you see someone suffering through something or doing something bad and you can look back at a point in your life where your life wasn't all together, where you didn't have everything together and go, maybe they're there. Because we're all humans, we're all screwed up, we're all doing screwy things, we all have secrets, we all make mistakes. I mean, that's just the realities of life. I mean, being human is dirty, it's, it's living, it's earthy, it's wild, it's life, you know? Even when it's tough, you know, even when I'm just parenting and stuff, it's still, you know, human. And I, I was once explained, someone once explained to me, one of my sponsors once explained to me as someone who's haphazardly human. And, you know, especially at that time. But no, I like to hold on to that, that like, okay, I'm haphazardly human, so I'm going to allow other people to be human as well if I'm haphazardly human. And you could spend a whole day, a whole hour on the, the, the plank eye story. Um, also, tooth and nail band plank eye I used to really like. All right, so anyway, go on. Um, now, this is interesting. Right after that story, it says... Do not give what is holy to dogs and do not throw your pearls before swine or they will trample them under your foot and turn and maul you. Now this is where I'm talking about giving things to God or praying or sending good vibes uh, or, or learning to live your life and mind your own damn business is this idea of there are times in our lives where to confront someone or to confront something or to go after something will harm us more. We'll put ourselves in danger. And this is the biggest kickback I get from speaking about grace and talking about forgiveness. Is people are like, well, what if they're, you know, gaslighting or what if they, you know, hurt me in the past or what if this or what if I have a trigger or, you know, all this stuff that, you know, you hear nowadays. And I was just like, you know, that's the pushback I get. With the, but here it's saying, it's like, well, then don't go to them, you know. Then bless them from afar, you know. Put their name, throw it in a box, and move on with your life. Um, or introduce them to someone who might be able to help them, you know. Because there becomes a point where you can't be responsible. You're not responsible for their life. You are not responsible for them. And I think in Christianity, we're sold, in traditional Christianity, in American Christianity, we're sold this idea that we're responsible for somehow for everybody else. And that it somehow all reflects back on us. And that it has to do with our worth. If we're not fixing other people, then we're not worth anything. And, you know, what this is saying is like, there are people that it will be like throwing your pearl to swine. They will be turned on and trampled on. You will be attacked. You will be torn apart. It will not go well. When I used to try to argue with the really neo-Calvinists like in the early 2000s who had shows and they'd play clips of me and then they'd dissect everything I said. They actually probably spent more time on my talks than I did. And um, arguing with those guys was like just, it was like I was just spewing gasoline and they were fire you know what I mean they would just get angrier angrier and it wouldn't make any sense and then I would get angry and you know um, I had friends who were like what's going on because I'd be on my phone like pacing back and forth like oh somebody said something horrible on the internet you know but it would be like these neo-calvinists who were just like you know 
really good at arguing and then we would just argue and are actually really bad at arguing sometimes but it was this idea of throwing pearl to swine when the best thing for me to do would have been like hey i've heard you talk about me that's great if you ever want to have a cup of coffee or talk on the phone fantastic otherwise i'm not going to talk to you i'm not going to talk to you in public i'm not going to argue my i'm not going to defend myself um but because it was kind of throwing pearls to swine and i still see that you know i still see that in my own life you know People who are angry and have been hurt by Christianity and they look at my parents as kind of a scapegoat. Even my mom, you know, and I've had people attack my mom and stuff. And it's like, this person is dealing with a different pain on a different level. And they're going to turn around and attack me. And they're not really attacking me because of my mom. They're not really attacking me because, you know, they're attacking me because of some, some deeper pain, some deeper issues there. And so I like this idea of saying, okay, it's easier for me one, to love you from afar, because if I'm with you, we're going to argue, we're not going to be friends, and it's not going to be productive, and we may hurt each other. We may destroy each other. You know, in, in, in Galatians, Paul says, be careful of biting and devouring one another. You may become consumed with one another, and you may destroy one another. So even Paul in Galatians is warning us, do not destroy each other. Do not be consumed with one another. And I think this is Jesus in the same way of saying, don't be consumed. Don't Go after those you know who destroy you. It doesn't seem like Jesus took his advice completely, literally, because <laughs> he got killed by them. But I think also there probably wasn't much of a choice at that point. Um, people overheard things. Anyhow, so yeah, that, I think that's a different way to look at it. Now, I'm going to uh, skip seven, which is all about prayer, you know, because I know prayer is not hip nowadays. We send good vibes. Um, people don't like thoughts and prayers. They just like thoughts and you know, I, I always think it's it's really funny when I see like pastors who are like the progressive pastors who are like, you can shove your thoughts and prayers up your ass. That and 59 cents will buy you a cup of coffee. I don't call myself a pastor anymore. I don't know what prayer does. I don't know if prayer works or not, but um, it's just funny to me. Irony is funny to me. Um, so then we jump down to 12. If we jump down to Matthew seven twelve, and we've got a hit here, folks. We've got a hit. Um, it says, uh, so 12 says, and everything do to others as you would have them do to you, for this is the law of the prophets. Now, this is the part where, it, for me, it gets really interesting, um, because that's the golden rule. Do to others as you would have them do to you. So, and everything do to others as you would have them do do to you, for this is the law of the prophets. So we have this thing summed up. We call it the golden rule. Most of us know it. If you grew up in the church, you know it by the time you're five years old. Um, but obviously it's something that none of us ever took to heart. So here's the thing is like memory, memorizing verses doesn't mean you know how to live by those verses. Uh, knowing those verses like the back of your hand almost in a way does us more of a disservice because we become numb to them. So, like, think about it as if it was the first time you heard it today where someone was like, yeah, you need to love other people the way you want to be loved. You need to treat other people exactly how you want to be treated. You know, that's the whole law. That's Jesus saying that's the whole law. That's the prophets. That's it. Love people like you want to be loved. Treat people like you want to be treated. And that changes, right? It changes things. And it changes how you see things. Um... And I say, oh, here, I see a message in it. it says, it works. Prayer is awesome. 
I agree with you, but I'm not gonna. I'm also gonna disagree a little bit. You know, my mom died. I prayed a lot, a lot for my mom not to die. She died. So I think those are the type of things we have to remember when we talk about prayer. Is that sometimes prayers aren't answered, and sometimes serious prayers aren't answered. You know, and there might be a reason for that, and there might be a plan for that. But I think that's the reason. Remember, it's like, yeah, it works, but it's not a magic wishing well. You know. And sometimes prayer works better for ourselves than for others. Sometimes it's, it's almost like being self-reflective. Almost, it's almost like a type of meditation. Where we're able to meditation on the, on the other person, on other things. You know, I've been with people who have been like, Oh, we could praise God, we've got a parking lot at the mall during Christmas. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Um, you know, maybe we'll do a talk on prayer one of these days. I think that would be interesting. Um, you know, and, and this is the thing. Is I am just trying to be as transparent as possible. That's why I say the prayer thing. I don't say it to be mean. I don't say it to be argumental. I, I, I say this stuff just to, to make us think critically and to be honest with ourselves if we're going to follow this religion called Christianity, if we're going to subscribe to it. And, you know, I'm not, you know, if I'm going to subscribe to Christianity, I'm going to probably try to get my ideas from prayer, from understanding what Jesus said about it and what Paul said about it and what these guys said about it and not the prayer of Jabez or whatever, you know, stuff like that. I mean, a lot has been said on it, but but critical thinking to me is extremely important. And for me, it's the only way I'm able to really kind of get through Christianity is become extremely critical to the prophets and to Jesus and to critically examine their words and their their ideas and then take it back to the church and critically watch it there too and see how it's been done and that's you know why I, and what I want to do here is, is sometimes someone's like what's your call what are you trying to do Jay what are you trying to do with your ministry and I said just get the people to think critically you know just to get people to think differently and question the things that we've just all our lives been like oh that's good news you know is that good news is it good news well let's look at it it's not perfect um, but how we treat others, we should treat others. But this is the part that really gets me excited and, and I think is interesting. And I think this is the challenge here is in, um, after the golden rule is, and this is what I was thinking about this talk is it's the road less traveled. And I, and I, I've done a lot of different talks on this kind of idea of the narrow road and what that looks like in our lives and what it takes to take the narrow road. And, and this is a type of that. Um, in, in Matthew 7:13, it says, "Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is easy." So enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide. Sorry, enter through the narrow gate, comma. Then, for the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction, and there are many who take it. For the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life, and there are few who find it. And I'll admit this, like I've learned more about life from things like studying philosophy, reading books that are way above my education level. I'm a high school dropout, got my GED. I've taken some courses in, in seminary for fun, to learn, not really for fun, but to learn more, but I didn't get credit for it. Um, so I'm challenging myself, and as I read this, these, these philosophy books, or if I or, or read, uh, I've been reading a lot of um, Freud lately, and as I read Freud or I read Hegel, and these are people who aren't, uh, Freud is actually pretty, simple, pretty easy to read, but Hegel is not 
easy to read at all. Matter of fact, I'm not even reading Hegel. I'm reading a commentary on Hegel. Um, but I've learned more about humanity about this. And, then, and you start to realize, like, yeah, the road less traveled. You learn about your humanity, but not everybody takes it. Because we like simple thinking. We like social media. We like quick clips. We like these big things, you know. Um, we like our feel-good self-help books. You know, like, how to be a badass, you know, in 10 days. Rock this world. You know, I mean, those books, there's nuggets of wisdom in there. You know, but I'm literally reading books where it's like every, you know, every sentence, every other sentence, every, you know, it's like, uh, how do I deal with this? How do I learn more about life? How do I take the road less traveled? You know, I mean, if you think about usually our popular speakers in this country and popular personalities are people who are selling us how to get well fast. I have spent my life going to therapy and it's been tough. I've, I've, I've gone to electric shock therapy. I've uh, just now started going to see a, a psychoanalysis, a psychoanalysis. And that's actually been really amazing, but I had to go through like four years of DBT to understand dialectic behavioral therapy, which has been transformative. But it's had to be, I've had to put in the work. I remember asking Pete Rollins once why he didn't rewrite an uh, intro book to pyrotheology. And I always kept bugging him about it. I'm like, you should do it like an e a dummy's guide to pyrotheology. And, and he goes, Jay, do you know why you understand it, mate? And he's not from... He's not from down under. Uh, but he goes, you know why you understand it? And I go, no, why? And he goes, because you've done the work. You've read, you read, I, you asked me who I read, and I told you, and you picked up Tillich. You read Kant. You read, you know, you tried to read Hegel. You, 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 you read these guys. You've read those guys. You know, he's like, you did the work, and now you're understanding it. But for some things, you have to do the work to get there. You have to just take the time to do it. You know, it's like becoming a doctor. There is not going to ever be like the dummy's guide to brain surgery. You know, it's just not how it works. You know, you have to take anything worth saving other people, understanding things. You know, you just can't be like being a mechanic. You don't you don't become a mechanic overnight. You know, and you have to learn. You have to take classes. You have to understand the intricate things. And if those things are intricate, the human body and vehicles and machines and computers and things like that. You know, how much more intricate and in, in detail is our own lives? But we want to read these, like, get help, quick, quick help books fast. I mean, I'd honestly be honest. Those are what I tried to write, you know. Um, I tried writing that, you know, and, and hey, maybe this will be popular, you know. But that's not always the way to go. And it's to take the road less traveled. Now, my bigger point here is that the road less traveled is... Loving your enemies. There you go. The road less traveled is uh, realizing that you don't get to define who they are and you don't get to destroy them. I love Dr. King's once said, I will not let anyone pull me low enough as in to hate them. And this is Martin Luther King. And I, you think about Dr. King's life and everything he has seen and been through and had to deal with just as, just as a child when he was not Dr. King. You know, the racism the unfairness of society and the horrificness of the societies at those times and we still have those types of horrificnesses but not as not, not as that same level you know where he couldn't he had to he couldn't go to wanton fountains or go to certain areas or sit in certain seats or do travel in certain places you know i mean it was horrific 
and this is the guy who says, I'm not going to let anybody drag me down far enough. And I'm like, that's, you've been dragged down pretty far. <laughs> like, how far do you have to go? But he said, I'm not going to let anybody drag me down to hate them. And that is why we hold Dr. King as someone so special is because he took the narrow gate. He went through the narrow gate. He took the narrow road. Um, you know, I talked about that when I was, when I was, uh, became affirming and I said you know I'm going to take the road less traveled right now and for me my world was the church and, and speaking at Christian festivals and doing all these things I was still very challenging to those people but I'm like this is the you know this is their deal breaker and I, and I felt like I'm taking the narrow road you know and to them they're like oh you're taking the broad road and you're tickling ears you know and it's like it had exactly the opposite effect on my you know uh, bank account, so I, I disagree with them. Um, but in my popularity, to be honest with you, <laughs> the evangelical youth scene really dug me. Um, but hey, you know, I've got 15 people who watch now, so look at me now. Look at my ear tickling. Um, but this is the idea, is is like enter through the narrow gate and, and the wisdom of knowing, you know, when to pray, when to move on, you know, uh, loving neighbor is self, the load risk trouble. So I will say right now, uh, social media is the broad road, to say the least. Like, to go put your opinion on social media, you know, is like, in some ways it's like farting on an airplane. You know, everybody gets it. Most people don't enjoy it. You know, and... Um, so, so you know, we can do, we can build, we can choose to build up, or we can choose to destroy, folks. We can, we can make those choices, and that's. So what I'm here to say is like, I'm not trying because now, look at this at the very end. It says, and there are few who find it. There are few who find the narrow road. So one, I don't expect us all to do this. I expect to live into the reality of that few people take the narrow road of loving their enemies. And, and wanted to see their enemies change and see their enemies as, uh, you know, they're abusers, you know. And, and then you listen to someone like Dr. King who's like, yeah, they are abusers because they've been abused or because they've been victims of misinformation. Like, this narrow road isn't for everybody. And I see it all the time with pushback when I talk about, when I do my big talks on grace and how it's like anarchy and how radical it is and how there is no asterisk. And folks go, but... What about this? You know, that's why I think the, the Pearl of Swine is an important verse to have here. Beforehand is, is showing us like, you know, the narrow road might also, the beginning of your narrow road might be just putting somebody's name or putting a tweet that you were going to write or some devastating thing you're going to put on Facebook or Instagram or in a picture or something. And you just, I'm going to put this in a box. You know, you can save it in a little box. You can have a God box file on your, on your thing. I have so many like angry tweets just in my like cachet, like I could just be like in line to go, then like, they're not gonna go out. But half the time I realize, you know, if I turn this into a talk, if I look at this in a different way, it could be something that could really be positive. You know, if I take it out of the 180 character limit. And so that's helped me out a lot. But so I don't expect everybody to do this. And another thing for me is that this is Christianity. This is being a follower of Christ. And I don't expect everybody to be a follower of Christ. And honestly, I don't care if you are or not. You know, what, what I, what I want to do is I want to help you think critically. And if, if your critical thinking isn't leading you to Christ, then I want to know where it is leading you. 
What is it leading you to? Um, what are you going through? What are you thinking about? Um, but I think if we're going to sit and claim Christianity as our chosen religion, then we're going to have to be the people who are working at least to love our enemies and to, love, and to take a narrow road of thinking critically, thinking differently, uh, knowing when to hold our tongues and when to use our tongues, when is it edifying, when can we come together and reason together, and that we are constantly weighing, will this bite and devour me or my community or other people in these folks' community? Um, it, it's funny as often when you see a church fall or fall apart, the whole church usually goes. You know, sometimes they survive, but they survive much smaller. You know, and that is a type of destruction there that happens. And you could say it's either that person responsible or how people acted. But Christians don't have a really good record of reacting to failure or mistakes. And these are like people who made mistakes. They're not even their enemies. And then we turn them into enemies. And I, I remember hearing growing up, it used to be like, Christianity is the only army that shoots its wounded. You know, we just boom, oh, weak, boom, gone, boom, you know. Um, it's tough, right, folks? Um... One day I'm going to learn how to take this counter off that's up here in the corner. I've seen how many people come and go because <laughs> I just need to do it so I don't make a smart-ass comment. See, there's me taking the narrow road. I wanted to make a smart-ass comment, but no, I'm going to take the narrow road and say if you know how to get the counter off the corner of the live video, please let me know. Uh, it probably just makes me insecure. It makes me want to say little things that will be stinging, but won't be sticking to them because they're not here. Um, so I hopefully what we're doing here at, at Revolution is that we're turning the scriptures on their heads or at least reclaiming them. And I hope that's what we can continue to do. Um, I'm going to, I, I want to look at two other parts here in seven and then maybe we'll do a little uh, question and answer. And um, um I just saw a question go by from Steve, and I'm like, oh, gosh, Steve, that's such a hard one. Um, <laughs> do you know the answer to that, Steve? I'm going to make Steve answer his own question why I finished this sermon, and then I'll try to answer it myself. So the narrow gate. Here we have the narrow gate. We're going there. Now listen to this, though. It says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep and clothing, but are, but are inwardly are raginous wolves, raginous wolves. You'll know them by their fruit, and grapes gathered from thorns or figs from thistles. In the same way, every good tree bears good fruit, and every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree can nor bear bad fruit, nor can it bear good bear fruit. fruit. Now, I remember in the 80s and the 90s, it used to be that, that people thought fruit was like, you have a megachurch, look at the fruit of his ministry, you know, it's, it's growing. <laughs> like, have you met the fruit of his ministry? Um, <laughs> have you met the hired fruit on staff? Um... No, but that was how people saw, you know, these were our heroes. And for me, I'm like, for your ministry, like, in a certain time is like, if you don't survive, for me, in some ways, so you got, got But fruit is peace, patience, kindness, joyful, long-suffering. It's actually the fruits of the Spirit is what it's talking about. It's saying, like, you'll know them by their fruits. Like, one of the reasons, one of my biggest arguments against the, uh, 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 the anti-LGBTQ movement is look at the fruits of that movement it leads to suicide it leads to homelessness it leads to mental health issues you know the fruit is bad there is not peace and patience and joy and kindness within those fruits um 
So, oh man, I, I'm seeing such good comments come by. I hope I remembered the, the one I just saw was really good about critical thinking. Um, I want to look at that again. But this beware of false prophets is I think sometimes we think false prophets, you think of someone, you image a, a picture of my dad. Let's put it that way. Like, oh, it's Jim Baker. And it says, televangelists and those false prophets. You know, it's not the cool hip guy who's like, hey, the church is a full of bunch of assholes. But sometimes I wonder that. Like, I see a lot of hip, you know, I see a lot of deconstruction happening right now. They call it deconstruction, but like by some of their social media, it's to me, it's just like, just shit on the church and talk about how horrible your experience was growing up. Like to me, deconstruction is like taking apart philosophies and theologies and, and, and examining them and looking at them and, and going across them and re, you know pulling them up. For me, deconstruction was, what's the history of the Bible? Who put the Bible together? What is the original language of the Bible? How was it spoken? Who was it spoken to? Who was Jesus? Who's the Jesus of history? What was uh, Galatians, uh, modern-day Turkey? Okay, well, so what was that like? Why were there people who were lighter skinned in Galatia. You know, why did they use this word? What gods did they worship? What were the customs at the time? How did the people in Rome look at, at being uh, same-sex relationships? You know, I mean, to me, that was always like deconstruction and kind of mixed with critical thinking. I kind of put those two together. It wasn't being like, it's a bunch of shit. You know, like, oh, great deconstruction. I mean, I almost feel like it's like deconstruction isn't a wrecking ball, you know? Um, have you ever seen a house that was an old historical house moved? How they have to do that and how they have to take things apart, how they have to worry about the foundation and the structure and all these things before they take it apart. They don't tear it down. You know, sometimes they have to take it apart brick by brick and number the bricks. Where do the bricks go? Are we going to put the bricks back there? Is the house going to survive if we do this? You know, there's a lot around it. And if it doesn't survive, then great. It was probably not worth it survive if we're talking about maybe not the house, but talking about theology or Christianity, or things like that. Matthew goes on to say that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, the kingdom of heaven is also the fruits of the Spirit. Um, it's not talking about a place up in the sky. It's not talking about Beulah land. Um, you know, it, it's um, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who do not will the fathers, only those who do the will of fathers in heaven. But what I want to say is, like, I don't think we always see false prophets in the correct light, you know, because um, I don't think we're looking at fruit in people's lives. And what I'm saying is, like, peace, patience, kindness, joy, long-suffering. Like, if you want to see the fruit of someone's lives, look at this. Here's my thing. How do they treat their enemies? How do they treat those who've hurt them? And to be honest with you, my dad is, seems crazy as can be. He sells food buckets. He does all this stuff. But I'll tell you what, when he got out of prison, I saw how he treated his enemies. And honestly, my dad wasn't a very good father to me growing up. He wasn't really there. The best, closest time I ever had with my dad was when he was in prison. Um, I'm actually a bit hurt by him. So I'm not trying to sing his praises right now, except for the fact that I always saw him forgive his enemies. And I called him a fool for it. And now I understand that he had instinctively knew something in the gospel that took me years of deconstruction, reworking, going through, reading Dr. King, reading the Apostle Paul, re-examining Paul, re-examining Jesus, having to realize that the pastoral epistles were crap. You know, I mean, I had to do all this stuff to kind of continue to climb my way out to get to the point of realizing that 
that how we treat our enemies, you'll see how the fruit is. How we treat those we resent and the relationship over time. And if we're willing to talk to one another, if we're willing to go to others. Like sometimes if people write horrible things about me and they know me, I go, hey, that's weird because you have my phone number and I don't know why you just didn't call me first. And, you know, or they write an article about my dad. I'm like, hey, did you try to talk to my dad before you wrote that article? No. And I'm like, but you you know, but you say you're Christian and this and that. And the Bible says we should reach out to each other and do this and blah, blah, blah. Oh, and then all of a sudden I'm convicting them, you know. Um, but that takes time as well. Um, but if we're going to judge people by their fruit, it's not by successful churches. Sometimes it's not even by what they're talking about. It's how they treat others. But I also do believe words are very important. And I think if we listen to people's words, we'll see what they believe and don't believe. I, I think sometimes when you see somebody really preaching something that's really amazing, really, but if you really listen to their words, you can see that they're struggling with it. I think most people who write books on apologetics lack faith. And the reason they got into apologetics is because they, they needed it be, to be proven that it was real. You know, and I just live in the idea that God is dead and God is alive at the same time, and I believe and I don't believe at the same time, and it's a very big dialectic, and there's a lot of um, uh, contradictions that lay within it, and uh, and I live with that every day. So that's where I'm at. So we got a few minutes, um, and I will try to answer questions. I saw you guys are already talking about the the. <laughs> The critical thinking so there you go i mean i'm gonna cheat and uh yeah like okay yeah for me critical thinking isn't criticizing someone it's just asking for me it's asking the question is this true why is this true maybe i'm more deconstructionist who knows um does this make sense is there evidence that supports this you know um, is there evidence that does not support this, that goes against this? For me, that's what critical thinking is. Um, for me, it's not criticizing thinking. It's not, ah, that's just a bunch of shit. You know? like, I was really excited. I'm not going to lie to you that when I started studying the pastoral epistles and realizing that they weren't written by the Apostle Paul and that most people knew that, that was exciting news. And then when I really started getting into them and seeing them more as forgeries, I, I probably agree more with Bart Ehrman uh, than most people would. But oh, I, I agree with... The work there but I've also read the work that he read to get to that same point so I, uh, you know so I had to go back that was for me critical thinking was okay I'm not going to just accept Bart Ehrman because one I, I thought I could but I also knew that most people wouldn't accept it if I gave my my resources as Bart Ehrman so I was like all right I'm going to go even further back and then finding other Christians who people who are Christians and who agreed with me so to me that was the critical thinking of asking questions trying to think differently is this right you know, taking things that I've always accepted as truth and then and, and kind of rethinking it. Um, and it's tough. Or finding out if I have, also for me critical thinking is finding out as if I have underlined issues laying in my life that skew my thinking towards an issue. You know, the way I was raised or I was hurt a particular way or I've done that. And by adding that into that level of, of ideas and thoughts of, of, of critically looking, taking a good look. And critically, can I like the word critical because I think critic, and a critic can also love something, you know. So critical thinking can lead you to a life of passion and love, and as it has for me for, like, Freud. Like, I read all this horrible stuff about Freud and heard all this horrible stuff about Freud growing up, and then I looked at it, 
and try to take a critical listen and critical. And now I really love a lot of stuff Freud said. Most Freud said, and people still come to me like, oh, he was a cocaine head or he was touched children or he did this. And it wasn't. And I'm going like, listen, man, what we've learned from Freud is Freud was trying to change the world with helping us to come in touch with our unconscious. And, and we, a lot of people are just like, hell, I don't want to go there. But, you know, learning that you can love people that other people don't love. And how I love people's other people's enemies sometimes is through critical thinking, through going and taking a look and thinking it through. Um, but it's also being a part of Christianity. So I think for me, uh, being in the religion of Christianity, uh, critical thinking always comes with the point of a bit of grace and a bit of love and a bit of trying to understand. For me, it's not just like sharp. It wouldn't be what if you looked up critical thinking in a, in a, in a, in a dictionary. Um, because for me, it's also like remembering where I've walked in my shoes. So like people can talk about Mark Driscoll and be going off. And like I'm like, I can't stand what that guy says. I can't, and I agree with him almost wholeheartedly. But then there's a part of me that has empathy because I know that he's in a situation that most of us have never been in. And I'm going like, what led him to that? He didn't start out that way, you know, and so I start to go through the person's history and look at that, you know. And another thing that I've always found really interesting and complex is how do people go from victims to being, you know, the victimizer? And at what point do we decide to switch them over to victimizer from being victims? Is there an age? Is there an act? Are there certain things? To me, that's very interesting. Um, all right. I wish Caleb was here to read all this stuff, but... Not right now. So I'm going to try to read some of this stuff. Let's go down. Oh my gosh, you guys said so much. A lot of talk today. A lot of hellos. What translation of the Bible do you use? Oh, that's a good one. I can handle it. I use the New Revised Standard Version. To me, it's, it's, it's not the easiest read, but it's the best translated uh, into English, in my opinion. That's why I use that one. This one I actually found at a used bookstore. And it's become my favorite Bible. I have a lot of different Bibles, but this one's become my favorite. It's, I don't know what it's made out of, but it thing is like a, a war horse. Um, someone said a good message. Thank you. I okay, here we have from Kelly. Uh, I wonder if uh, all prayer transforms us, then it transforms the world. That's a good thought. Um, someone said prayer just brings me closer to God, and I think that's Cool. I'm not going to argue with that. Is the road less traveled the same as the path of least resistance? No, I would say the road less traveled would be the path with most resistance. That's what I would say, Roberta. Um, the wide road would be least resistance. Um... Here with Steve's bomb right here. How do you define critical thinking? Well, I just did my best, so. But it is often misunderstood. It is sometimes misunderstood as just like, as like, hey, I'm going to make a funny meme about how horrible the church was, or you know how what the weird stuff they said about masturbation or whatever, blah blah blah. I mean, I, I will say like, lately I've come in contact with a lot of people whose lives are messed up sexually because of how the church raised them in this purity culture. Um, and I definitely think there's worth a look at that, especially in women's lives, you know. Um, 
you know, I think that really screwed things up. And people are just naturally sexual beings, and, and to have the church really do that, I think that was cruel and unusual. There are a lot of people talking about uh, critical thinking these days. This is from Kelly. Uh, they really mean cynicism. Yeah, that's true. Or, and distrust. That's true, too. Of the popular thinking, I would love to have a better working definition than that. You know, I think I would recommend a really good scholastic um, dictionary as well. That would probably be well. Or probably just a philosopher writing on critical thinking. Um, Kate said, and I don't know if this is refined to somebody or not. Yes, I was thinking about the blue tack if it exists over there. I don't know what the blue tack is. I don't know. Okay, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> wish it did. Kate, Kate, I really hope one day I get to come to England. I really wish I was coming to England now to see John Lydon speak and do his Q&A. But I'm going to make it, and one day we are going to sit and have tea and have a laugh. And uh, you can hear me be nerd out about everything English and how when my kids become adults, I'm going to live in northern uh, Belfast, northern Ireland, and uh, be a regu regular visit for tea with you. Um, here we go. Steve, I like when Steve, Steve, you answered your own question, buddy, I appreciate it. Critical thinking is not criticizing scripture or Jesus or Paul. It's asking tough questions, looking at historical context, word definitions, theology, and looking behind and beyond. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Steve. Me and Steve are going to be hanging out soon together, so we'll have to make a little special video for you guys. Uh, it's so weird. I thought... I realized the other day we don't, we've never met each other in person, so I can't wait to hug that guy's neck. Um, we've become very good friends. I, I talk about, I don't talk on the phone to many people. I mean, regularly, maybe three, and, and, and Steve has become one of them, and I just cherish his relationship. This is a man you should follow and get to know. He is a fantastic human being, and I love him very much. And I think my mom is, is ecstatic in heaven because we're meeting. Like, I just, it's just so weird. The world is so weird to me. Like if it took Jessica Chastain or took me doing certain other things for us to get together and become, I think we've met out of a few different weird things that could be seen as traumatic in this world. Definitely. We've met out of trauma and it's really great. Um, so relationships out of trauma are sometimes some of the best relationships you can make. Um, Steve said again, critical thinking is about analysts. It's about taking the scripture and Jesus seriously, not necessarily literally. Amen. Uh, what translation of the Bible to use? I got asked again, and that is the New Revised Standard Version. Often, the Catholics really love it. Um, and then sometimes it comes with the Apocrypha and sometimes not. This one did not come with the Apocrypha. This is just, this one was a Duke graduation Bible. I spray painted it, but yeah. The fart in the plane was an accident. <laughs> Bro, thank you. Thank you, Rebecca. I don't often use potty humor, but when I do, <laughs> I do it for you. Um, oh, someone thanked me for my explanation of critical thinking. Thank you. That was off the cuff. We have to learn balance, the good with the bad, the dark and the light. Yes, that grace is an important element of critical thinking. Thank you for that. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Jay. All right, everybody. Cynicism. Uh, Lucky Jackson says cynicism and distrust might be a stage of man manifestation when one goes through critical thinking. Yeah, I think that can happen. You know, I definitely think you like 
start doing critical thinking and you like go buy a leather jacket and dark sunglasses and smoke cigarettes and, and hang out at Denny's late at night drinking black coffee. Um, but there becomes a point where some good news starts to happen. And then if you quit smoking and then you keep the rest of the stuff, you just look really damn cool. <laughs> uh, Kate says, yes, let's hope so. And I'll give you a blue tack to put over your phone to cover over numbers going up and down. Oh, thank you. I love it. I, I guess the blue tack will protect me from, from my vanity. <laughs> That's what I need. And well, Steve says, I, oh, I cherish your, uh, your friendship. I love you too. And can't wait to hug your neck too. Yeah, we're, 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 we're good buddies. Uh, Chrissy Farr says, uh, to quote the great Garth Brooks, some God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Yes, that's a great good. Thank God for unanswered prayers. And we're going to end it there. Thank you, Chrissy. That's perfect. Uh, I love that song. Thank you, everybody. Hey, listen, I have to leave you with this because um, Steve reminds me of this all the time, is that Revolution does need your support financially. And you can go to um, revolutionchurch.com uh, slash donations and make a donation. Um, luckily, I got paid this last month, and I was really excited about that. But the month before, I, you know, we didn't make it, but we did pay our bills. And so it's just been tough. We don't have a staff. We don't have any much going on right now. Uh, Caleb's taking time off. Uh, so we don't have a high overhead, <laughs> but we really could use your financial support. And, um, and so maybe I should pray about it, <laughs> but I'm going to ask you guys, like, if you like what you hear or, you know, even like retweeting this stuff, tweeting about it, putting it out on Facebook, uh, putting it out on, you know, going to our YouTube channel, um, posting about it on Instagram or putting it in your stories about what we're doing and just getting the word out helps, you know, because if we had a bigger mass, then, you know, just a few dollars would make a huge difference. Right now we don't have such a huge, we, you know, so we really do need support and we need serious support to kind of keep this thing going. Um, but there's going to be a lot going on. So there's going to be a lot of my talks on the road. Um, I'm going to Colorado because a friend of mine is paying for me to fly out. And doing a tattoo for free for me of my mother on my leg. I can't believe it. Like, uh, zero cost to me. I'll talk about it. I actually can probably do a live video from there. Uh, so you can uh, meet this guy because it's really incredible. It's pretty cool. And then also I'll be in New York for the premiere of The Eyes of Tammy Faye. So I'll be doing something from there as well. Um, and then uh, my wife, my ex-wife is out of town next week. So I have the kids. So... Uh, if I'm not speaking, someone else will be, because it might not be, because I might be daddy. But uh, a lot coming on here in the future with Revolution. Love you. Thank you a lot. Have a great day. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.